You're listening to the Beyond Sundays podcast. Each week, we talk to people just like you who share stories of God's faithfulness. Happy Valentine's Day. It's week three of the Handle with Care sermon series here at Beltway, where we look at what scripture says about subjects like sexuality, gender, abortion, and politics. If you've missed the last two weeks on abortion and gender identity, I highly encourage you to go back and listen. Incredible, beautiful testimonies on both of those episodes. Plus, if you've missed either one of Pastor David's sermons on these topics, I also highly encourage you to go back and listen. As for today, it just makes sense that on Valentine's Day, we are extending the conversation from this past Sunday regarding good sex. All right, y'all, this is a PG-12 conversation, so turn it off if you have little ones listening in. Okay, so at large, the church may not have necessarily discussed this issue very well. It's it's hard to talk about, I get. But, you know, maybe this is uncomfortable for you. Maybe you run from this issue because of shame or sin or struggle or it's just uncomfortable. But God has a lot to say about sex and he has a plan for it. It is good, it's valuable, and it's weighty. And I know that our culture depicts sex as cheap through TV shows, movies, ads, and social media, but that's not good sex. And if you want to know what is, who do we go to? We go to the creator of it. But I want to give this caveat before we go any further. If you are not married, I want you to hear this. Sex within the boundaries of marriage has purpose and it is good, but sex and marriage is not ultimate. It does not complete you. It does not define you. You aren't incomplete without either one of those. The Bible makes it clear that you are fully and entirely human without it. Okay, this week is personal for me, so we're just going to push through the awkward. So let's get to it. Well, hey, everyone. We're so glad that you're tuning in for today's conversation. Today, I have with me someone pretty special. I have my husband back in the studio with me today. Hey, Jeffrey Turner. Hello, Sarah. It would be weird for you to have the conversation that's going to be had with anyone else. Yeah, so speaking of that it being weird to have this conversation with anyone else. No, no, it's fine. This conversation is going to be a little bit more spicy. (laughs) It is funny. Like I was just now realizing the last podcast you and I recorded together actually included our children. I know. This one we're like, eh, probably not. Probably not the kids conversation. Um, But I am super excited that our church is talking about this conversation and that is sex and just black and white. We're talking about sex today. So I'm thankful to have my husband in the studio with me like to have I this said, conversation because it would be weird with other people. <laughs> but we're going to talk about God's plan yeah. for sex and what that looks like. And actually, I'm so thankful because like the Lord just kind of worked this whole thing out. You actually preached on this on Sunday. Yep. And so I'm so thankful that we're actually going to get to continue the conversation from this past Sunday and just dive a little bit deeper into the topic. Let's just get into the awkward, okay? Okay, it's gonna let's be awkward. Go. So is it going to be weird for you to sit in the audience as your husband talks about sex in front of, you know, a few hundred people? <laughs> Are you just now realizing that that's going to be uncomfortable? Um, yes, I'm starting to sweat. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that would be weird. It's going to honestly probably be easier to preach about it than it, or it's going to be easier preaching about it than it is. Because spoiler alert, we record these early, so I haven't actually preached the sermon yet. But yeah, so yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. Going to lean into the awkward. Let's just lean in. God has a lot to say about this topic. In fact, he we know that he created it. He is. For sex, it, he is. He says that he created it for our good, and so 
in general, like we know and we're taught, um, and maybe we'll just start there, what we were taught. What were you taught about sex growing up? Or what did you see and what did you, like in culture versus what your parents taught you or other people taught you about sex? I don't, I was trying to think about that. I don't remember having the sex talk with my parents. Obviously I did. So uh, I never had like a, you know, I grew up in the time of the Joshua Harris, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, which that could be a whole podcast, and I've got strong opinions about that. But uh, we grew up in the time we were growing up, it felt like from the church standpoint, and maybe we can just hit on how the church has, met, has dealt with the issue of sexuality, um, it was like sex bad, sex bad, sex bad, sex bad, sex bad, and then you get married, and all of a sudden your brain is supposed to go from... Oh, yeah. Sex is this horrible, sinful thing that people that do it go and burn in hell. And then, hey, guess what? It's good. And that sh- that brain shift, it just messed oh, yeah. with so many. It messed with me, for sure. Yeah. Growing up, I mean, boundaries, 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 bad, bad, bad. You know, and it, good for the sense of like in marriage, but I wasn't married. And so then when you and I got married, I remember talking to you about having to like what it felt like flip the switch and go, oh, now all of a sudden it's okay? This is weird. Yeah, that, <laughs> that switch being flipped was perfectly easy in my brain. But, oh, for sure, yeah. But, you know, some of that is different uh, gender roles in the way we kind of view things. But yeah. I think the church for a long time, which is why I'm proud that we're hitting on right. this topic, is I think the church has just gone... It's just been like we ignore the Song of Solomon and then we just act like sex is a thing that happens, but we're never going to talk about it. And and I like that we're going to lean in and talk about it because I think it's important. I think I, I think within a marriage, sex is such, you know, people fight over sex and money. Mm-hmm. And that's generally, those are things you fight about in marriage. And and we talk about money in the church, and yet we don't talk about sex and, and the importance of sex and healthy sex life. And you and I have had the privilege over our 16 years of marriage to get to talk to a lot of couples through premarital counseling and just talk about the importance of having a healthy understanding, a healthy view of sex, and what it should look like and the role that it should play within a marriage. So so yeah, I'm, I'm proud that in, in this the year of our Lord, 2023, that we're beginning to, like, and our, our church has done this over time. This is not the first time David's preached on sex or sex has been talked about from the pulpit. Actually, years ago, for the old timers, the OG Beltway people, David was doing a series on maybe frequently avoided questions or something. And on stage in the worship center, this is before we did the kids expansion, was just like 10 foot tall S-E-X on stage. And it was quite a shock. I mean, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, it had to be so weird to worship like with just 10 foot tall sex word on the screen or yeah. on the stage. So Yeah. Well, and I think in a culture where so much of like where we are looking for our identity, like we're looking to other places a lot of times and and the culture is screaming that our identity is supposed to be found in our sexuality. Yeah. And that is not what the Bible says. And so um, our our identity is found first and foremost in being created by our creator and being made in the image of God. We yeah. are image bearers first and foremost. And yes, he did talk about needing, like Adam needed a helper, a helpmate. And so he created one and he made them male and female in his image. But our first like that first initial 
introduction into who we are is that we're his image bearers. We are created by him for his glory. Yeah. And if we look to culture to tell us about sexuality and about sex, I mean, it is hookup culture. It is cheating on your spouse. I mean, it is... Sharing spouse. I mean, we were yeah. Ta- we were talking. Yeah, sharing spouses. I mean, it, there's a million yeah. weird things that the culture you you rarely see healthy sex within TV or movies or, um, you know, we were watching the Gilmore Girls, which is like this classic TV show, and I looked at you there. I was like, this is this is she's not married to that guy, right? And you're like, no, that's somebody else. It was like, it's just weird. It's, it's weird. Just, and it's just so casual. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably the the alarming thing is just the casual nature of a really weighty and important thing mm-hmm. that we treat sex so casually. And yet it is weighty and important and valuable. And well, let's talk about that value. Let's talk about the weightiness of what it actually is, what good sex is, and how it is it brings value to our lives yeah. to us to our to my life to your life and what does the bible say about good sex i mean the we obviously were were made with desires and we were made different man and woman so i mean there's uh, obviously god created things like sex for our good and and it does well, you know within a marriage it's the scripture says that it, when two are brought together, no one can bring them apart. And that's not just like we moved in together and we're living together. That is, there is something that happens whenever you have sex that you are connected at a level that's so much deeper than mm-hmm. any other human, re- like any other human relationship. relationship. Right. It is sex brings you together in such an intimate, and that is why the, where the church got it right growing, you know, as we were growing up, we talked about the, like the, the weightiness of sex, but we just did it all from the negative standpoint instead of going, yeah, this is something that's great and pleasurable and fun later on. We just said, hey, it connects you to people and you're giving parts of yourself away every time you do it. And that's true. You're just supposed to be giving yourself to your partner for your spouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a cherished gift and it's meant to be enjoyed. Absolutely. The Bible does talk about it's a gift between man and woman in marriage for First and foremost, procreation. That's what the Bible talks yeah. about first is procreation. So, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, for the two shall become one and he wants them to fill the earth and subdue it. Well, how do you do that? You have to have, have, to have sex. I have to have sex. Um, but there is so much. We haven't so figured much... out cloning yet, so it's going to have to be sex. But something that, that I feel like looking back on 16 years of marriage that has grown for me is that intimacy piece. Yeah. Is that oneness piece? You know, the Lord does say that we're supposed to like leave father and mother, mother and cleave to your spouse, yeah. to husband or your wife. And for me, um, that was a process that was immediate, but also grew over time, obviously. And that intimacy piece of like allowing us to become one over yeah. time, not just in body, but in you know, the way that we're praying in the way that we do life. I mean, in all of these things, just being a team, you're my helper and I trust you and I love you. And I love our oneness and our connection in the way that um, you bear his image and I bear his image on this earth. And together we, we get to show the world what, who God is, who our father is. And I just, I love that we get to represent in, in the way that we do life, in the way that we have our marriage, I love that we get to just reflect the glory of the Lord 
and reflect his image on this earth, which is why the enemy came after so hard once Eve yeah. came. Like he came after Eve was the fulfillment of the image of, of God on this earth. And he came and attacked in full force. Um, and I just, I'm thankful. And I'll take this moment just to say I'm thankful for the 16 years of growing and learning what it looks like to have that intimate friendship yeah. with you, of connection and oneness that I think is is beautiful. So I want to switch gears. Yeah, it's just, fun. yeah, it is pretty fun. I want to switch gears for just a moment because one of the things that you and I have learned over time, and maybe we knew this in heads in our head knowledge, but actually walking it out in our marriage has to do with purity doesn't just stop yeah. once you get married. Like no. No. That's a that's a myth, I think, that it gets easier somehow that we can, I don't know, fight temptation or whatever. And it's just so much easier once you get married. And that's just not true. We have to fight for purity yeah. even within our marriage. And so I'd like for us to, to chat about that just for a minute. What does that look like for you, uh, walking in purity within our marriage? The same as it did before we got married. So, I mean, purity for a guy is... If you ever find a guy that says he's never once struggled with lust, I think that you you have found a unicorn. And um, since kids aren't listening, unicorns don't exist. And so I don't think – I think every guy at some level has struggled with it. And so forever, I've grown up with people that keep me accountable. So guys that are willing to – and for men, if you don't have another man that's asking you about the junk in your life, you are missing out. That is – Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Is that we have to have people who will get in our business and ask us the hard questions. Like you keeping me accountable about purity is would be funky. It'd be yeah. it'd be weird, and, and it would feel like that. It would be harder to honestly be truthful. Sometimes I need I need guys that are going to go, "Hey, what's going on with this? Tell me." And I've had that for since I can remember. Um, I've had the, one of my best friends in the world. We've been friends since sixth grade and that he has always been willing for better or worse. He's always been willing to get in my business and ask me the tough questions. Cause you're right. It doesn't purity doesn't get, I mean, it, it's probably easier than it was before, but that doesn't mean that there's still not a fight that we have to fight. And especially with social media and the movies and like from practicals, we're careful about what we watch. Yeah. Uh, we don't watch, you know, shows with graphic nudity, stuff like that. I mean, we don't, we stay away from that. We don't consume that kind of TV. I mean, it's just as we do the practicals. Yeah. You don't read romance novels. Yeah. For me, I was going to speak into that. It was like, I really took up reading, I guess, after or some somewhere like enjoyment reading. Like I'm going to read this book because I, I just want to enjoy a book. And discovered that I'm not, I'm not going to be able to do romance novels because I don't want my perception of reality to yeah. alter because of what I'm reading in this book. It's totally fantasy, not real. These expectations that this man is, you know, or that this woman has for this man who's like the perfect person or whatever, like no one's perfect. And yeah. I didn't want to have this distorted view of what a husband should and shouldn't be based on a novel that isn't even true. Like I, I want the standard to be the word of God, not a novel Yeah, for what I desire and want from a husband and what I want to be as a wife. I mean, it's, it's vice versa. It was for me too. It's like, I'm not, I don't want to be comparing myself to these fake characters, you know, in a book I, that was just not somewhere I could go. And so 
I do not read books of any sort that have anything to do with fantasy, you know, romance type stuff that I know is going to trigger that piece because, you know, as women, we're emotional beings and yeah. that's the, how the Lord created us. And I don't want my heart knitted anywhere else but with you in the Lord. Yeah. And so I'm just very careful. And we, we do put these boundaries and safeguards up around our intimacy because we value the yeah. gift that God has given both you and I and, and the I blessing too. We've hit on that gift is, and at, we're kind of talking about some expectations and stuff, but that the gift of sex, if it was not meant to, if it was solely for procreation, then the pleasure parts of sex would not, if God created it just for procreation, then the pleasure parts of sex make no sense. Right. So God obviously did it purposefully. And the goal of this this part of the sermon series is to really talk about how God is for sex and he's for you enjoying sex. And so when we meet with a premarital couple, as we talk through, you know, these accountability boundaries, one of the things we say is, Really, sex is between you two. You got to talk about it. You got to, the unmet expectations is the breeding ground for frustration. And so just talk about what you expect and what is fair and what you want with each other. And then that's the, the line for you two. And then you can't bring in anyone else. So you can't right. watch porn together. You know, don't do a threesome. Don't do, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. But you get the, the boundary in terms of you two as it pertains to sex is. What are you two okay with? And and the reality is, especially if you're a newlywed getting getting married, or maybe you've just you know you're a year or two into marriage, your sex life should be better 10, 15 years in than it was when you began because you know each other better and you're more comfortable and you're you're more vulnerable with one another. I mean, I think some of that, just like your marriage grows, your sex life should grow. Yeah, yeah, and you should grow into becoming more and more that one flesh. You yeah. know, sex is is so much about pursuing yes the physical piece, but emotional. And I mean, sexual too, and just being able to submit to one another and, um, and discover and delight in our lives together. Like that, again, it's that intimacy, friendship, no other relationship is like that. Yeah. No other relationship on this earth is like that, except for the, my relationship I have with you. And it is a gift and I'm so thankful for it. And you're right. It has grown over time. It's changed over time. And you and I are walking testimonies of it being blessed. And we fought for it. I mean, yeah. we fought for purity. We fought for it from when we started dating as just we we teenagers to even now we fight for it. We, yeah. we fight for that to be God-honoring in every way. Right. And it hasn't been perfect because you and I are not perfect. No. So I want to say that. No. We are not perfect in this. We have not arrived. We are not like we know all the things. We don't know all the things. No. We really, really don't. We're I'm 36. Am I 36? I'm 36. Yeah. And you're 37? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes We're constantly I forget. <laughs> learning what we don't know. Yeah. And right now what you constantly don't know is learning. our ages. Yes. Constantly learning what we don't know. And God is so kind to constantly show us more and more freedom. Yeah. And more and more of his love. And um, even just revealing more and more um, over time of your love for me. Like I know without a shadow of a doubt more today than the day you said I do, that you truly love me, value me, respect me. I mean, all of the things 
And I pray that you feel the same way. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Anyways, but I'm thankful for um, this conversation and just that we're willing to go there. So you and I talk a lot with premarital couples. We've done premarital counseling for yep. so many sweet couples in our area and other areas as well. And just thankful for um, for that opportunity. And also, it's super fun to do that with you. Yeah, it's fun. And for the longest time, that was went before you came on staff. That yeah. was about the one area of ministry that we that crossed overlapped over. at any yeah. level. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we go into like some of the things that we... Um, just some you, quick hitters. Yeah, some quick hitters that you and I go over that honestly to us are really good reminders 16 years in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I already said one, unmet expectations is the breeding ground for frustration. So if you think every time you're frustrated with somebody, it's because you had an expectation that was unmet. So learn to communicate what you expect, especially when it comes to sex. If if it's been, a, you know, we've been really busy and one of us is really like missing that time together and then we don't tell the other person and then it doesn't happen because we stayed busy, then we get frustrated, but that's not really fair. You got to communicate what you expect. So learn to communicate what you expect in every area of your life from time to finances to kids, figure out what you, what you're expecting of the other person and then communicate it. And as people, for whatever reason, if you're married, you should want your sex life to be as good as it can be if you don't learn to communicate what you expect and get okay with the expectation, if if I were just practically, if I were to tell you, Sarah, I expect us to have sex five times a week, and you would go, we have two children, two full-time jobs, and we have things going on. Maybe that's not a fair expectation. Maybe we try for two times a week. And then you get to this place that you communicate what you expect. So that was one that we say all the time. Yeah. Uh, what are other ones we tell people all the time? I usually um, mention that, you know, in this place, sexual intimacy, don't use it as a weapon. Yeah. Like if you have something where you're angry with your spouse, bitter, upset, unmet expectation, whatever, we do not use or withholding, we do not withhold sex and use that as a weapon passive aggressively to communicate something that is going to hurt our spouse. So for us, that goes right back to that communicating expectations and being open and honest and vulnerable and saying, okay, I'm upset because of this. And I, I feel like we're distant. We use that word a lot, like yeah. not a lot, but I'm saying like when we have felt those things, we have used the word, I feel distant from you. That's not what the Lord desires for us. He yeah. desires for us to be in unity, you know, with, with him, with the Holy Spirit. And so when there's distance, you and I can feel it. And instead of withholding sex, you know, in our marriage, we use that opportunity to go, okay, Lord, what are you saying? What What's going on in my heart? All right, I got to talk to Jeffrey about this or whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, the unity after that is amazing and beautiful. It's a gift. Again, it's a gift. It is and a gift. so thankful for that. So never use sex as a weapon. So sex should be sacrificial. So it is as a... The thing I always look at the guys at some point and I go, listen, you're going to have sex. If she has good sex, you will have good sex. It's possible for you to have good sex and her to have crappy sex, but it's never happened yeah. that she had good sex and you had bad sex. So if you in that, and this is, I mean, it can all go, you can over spiritualize everything, but in truth, in sex, like in a marriage, I want to, 
I want to sacrifice for you in every way and you likewise. And if you do that as it pertains to sex, then it's going to be better because that's how a marriage is supposed to work. And so, and I want to say too, that that overflows out of the bedroom, right? Being sacrificial. The the old statement is sex begins in the kitchen. Yeah. Loving one another more than yourself is what the Bible calls us to do is to love selflessly. And, and that starts way beyond and outside of the bedroom, but it goes into every area of our marriage. Something that I really care about and value as we do premarital counseling is we talk about love languages a lot. Yeah. And if you don't know your love language, I just want to say you need to learn your love language and you definitely, definitely need to know your spouse's love language. It's an easy book. It's an easy book. It's called The Five Love Languages and it is, I'm going to link it in the show notes as well as all the other books and resources we're going to mention here in just a moment, but you need to read it because it really changed a lot for us in the way we serve and love one another yeah. because the classic the classic statement that he makes in the book is like, if, if your love language is acts of service and you love out of that love language because it's the way you receive love, then you're doing all these wonderful acts of service for your spouse, but but their love language isn't acts of service. They're actually not receiving love in the way in which they're created to receive love. And so it's kind of, it it doesn't work for you. It kind of works against you. And so one of the things we talk about within our premarital counseling couples is make sure you know your love language and make sure you know your spouse's love language because you want to love from that place of how they receive love. And so with us, you know my love language. And to be fair and... You are a, a good student of hmm. of me, and I appreciate that so much because you're so attentive. Uh, but that I gave, I threw you a curveball after children. Yeah, and you my changed. love language changed. <laughs> I tell people all the time: you do premarital counseling, and that's great. And you should do pre kid counseling, right? Because and it, after everything is <laughs> just, different. Just keep doing counseling. Yeah, everything is different. Yeah, counsel pro counseling on pro this counseling podcast. and pro community. Like, yeah. we talk about these things with our community with our. Um, community that we're more vulnerable with. So yeah. like our life group community and really, really, really close friends. And so, um, yeah, my love language changed after children. It and did. what I appreciate and value so much is that I receive love from you in such a way that I, it just communicates so much to me that you see me, that you see my needs, that you care for me, that you love me. And so, and there are times where some of those things may go unnoticed and you're like, Hey, did you see? Did you see? There are no dishes in the sink. Yes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And you know, it's just that I know it takes you time to do that. Yeah. But and what I is my love language? So, oh, well, it's physical touch. And then what's my second one? Probably still physical touch. Uh, you, that's what you typically say. My first one's physical touch and my second one's physical Somewhere touch. Somewhere down there's words of affirmation. <laughs> words of affirmation. But, yeah. I was going to say that's And then back to physical one. touch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we. Hold on. Yeah. I got one more. I oh. remember while you were talking because you talked about our community. Mm -hmm. I cannot stress enough. If you, if, if you're married and this is an area where it is not going well for a myriad of reasons, find a safe couple that is older than you. That's done this before that you trust and talk to them. We hide when it comes to the, just like I said, the church can often run from this issue. We as individuals run from it for a million reasons, shame, embarrassment, frustration, whatever. Don't do that. Find someone you trust and ask them to help. 
Mm-hmm. And because I, it is just one of the biggest errors I see couples make in a marriage is this is an area of struggle and they won't talk to anyone and then it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. And we had that happen to us. Like I'll just mm-hmm. be vulnerable. We had that happen to us after our firstborn and we struggled with this place yeah, in our this, marriage. This was one that we learned from experience. We learned this from experience. We struggled in our marriage after having a baby and I didn't know what to do and you didn't know what to do. Of course we didn't know what to do. We've never been here before. Yeah. And so instead of asking the question and talking to somebody, we tried to fix it on our own and in our own strength and with our own knowledge. And that was just the wrong thing. Because it what it, it ended up doing was prolonging, you know, the Yeah, the frustration. The frustration and the hard time. And, the hard time. and when really it was such an easy fix. It was so easy and simple. We just had to talk to we somebody. We just had to talk to somebody. So. And so we kept it in the dark. And then immediately, I mean, and it's not always immediate when you bring stuff into no. the light. Sometimes you have to work hard for things. But in this situation, it was an easier fix than we thought. And yeah. so anyways, I love that you mentioned that. And yes, absolutely. If you And if you don't have those people um, in your corner, like what I would recommend is... We have a ministry here called Reengage. Yep. If you're looking to strengthen your marriage in any way, shape, or form, whether it's with sex or communication or whatever the the hurdle is that you're needing to jump, or if there's a lot of hurdles you're needing to jump, um, we highly, highly, highly recommend yep. Reengage Ministry here so at both Beltway campuses. Park. Mm-hmm. One meets Sunday nights, one meets Wednesday nights. It is a powerful, powerful ministry in our church. Yeah. So that was a resource. The other resource, if you want a book written from a believer's perspective, but really talking about the issue of sex. It's called The Celebration of Sex by Dr. Douglas, we'll say Rosenau. I don't know how to say his last name, but uh, you can buy it on Amazon. You can get it at Mardell. Uh, I'm sure we'll link it in the show notes, but it is a trem- it's the book that we give every premarital couple that we do because it's just that good. It is. I need to read it again. It's been a while. Yeah. All right. Well, is there anything else that you would like to say before we wrap up no. this conversation? No, I'm good. I love you. I love you, too. Mm. You're my favorite person. This was fun. This was fun. And a little awkward, but fun still. Yeah. Well, I'm thankful to do it with you. (laughs) You're the best helpmate. Yeah. Thank you. You, too. All right. Well, that was a fun conversation. That was fun. (laughs) Thanks for coming back in, because we recorded that several weeks ago. We did, yeah. And... Actually, before you'd even really... We recorded that before I wrote the sermon. Right. And so listened back to it and was like, hey, that was spot on with where I went with the sermon. So that worked great. Yeah. And uh, if you missed last week's sermon, highly encourage you to go back and listen to Jeffrey's sermon this last week on good sex. And you can find that in the show notes. But we wanted to circle back around to one issue that we really didn't cover. And that is uh, trauma. Yep. If you have any sexual related trauma in your past. We wanted to kind of address Yeah, it could be a a whole host of things. Mm -hmm. It could be trauma with sex within your marriage that has caused conflict. It could be abuse that you've received. It could be stuff that your significant other did looking at some stuff on the internet. I mean, there's a whole host of sexual sexual related trauma pieces. And the one of the things that we talk a lot about, you and I do, is that... uh, we grew up here, so we've been. You were a chapel kid. That's what I always tell people. You grew up in the chapel, and I've been here twenty years. This last week, and the one of the things that I love most about us is we talk not just about healing physically. So we believe the God who did still does. So we believe God still heals. Yes, so he heals yes. in Scripture. We mm-hmm. see Him heal the blind, raise the dead 
give uh, hearing to the deaf, but that healing doesn't just have to do with your surface. Yeah, your <laughs> like, physical body. Yeah, it, it is so much more than that. And so there is healing that he can that he offers even to situations like that, to abuse. And, and when you've experienced trauma like that, and, you know, the hard part, I tell people this with healing all the time, the hard part is healing is very rarely instantaneous. So sometimes it is. Sometimes we see God su- with with stuff like this, with trauma, with abuse, abuse, with things like that. It's almost always a process to find the healing from the Lord. So we have options for you for that. Um, I know that, like Debbie talked a few weeks ago about trauma related to abortion, um, which is not this week, but but she's she's teaching a class uh, on that. We have freedom. Our freedom ministry here, which is incredible. They're always doing things. You can find more info, beltway.org slash freedom. It might be counseling. We we said this on the podcast, but we're very pro-counseling. Um, people, I think there are some amazing Christian counselors here in this town. If you want more info on that, Sarah, can you just link that or have people reach out at some level? But we've got incredible counselors in this town. And so there's there's a lot of ways that the worst thing you can do is let the shame of what happened to you or the shame of what you experienced cause you to hide and feel like you can figure it out yourself. We are made to do life together in the good times and in the bad and in the celebrations and in the difficulties. And this is something that you just can't, it's, it's so much more difficult to just power through on your own. I would agree. And I would also say that I'm, I'm just, again, reminded of what even Debbie shared of, she knew that God had forgiven her. Like she, her, the things that had happened in her life were forgiven, but it was a process for her to learn to forgive herself. Jesus had already done the forgiveness for her, but it was a process that she needed to do with other people, giving her encouragement and praying with her and just being there with her to help her get through forgiving herself. And so I also would throw out healing prayer. We have healing prayer nights twice a month here at the South Campus on Tuesday nights. And as of this year, we actually have healing prayer online. And so to find out more information, you just go to beltway.org slash healing, and you can sign up either in person or online to find out more information about that. You do need to register for that. So Well, online, yes. Yeah, healing prayer online is really cool. But the one caveat to it is you just need to make sure you you register for it because we put it in time slots and stuff like that. So We We book it through time slots, and then we send you a Zoom link so that you can be a part of Healing Prayer Online. So Yeah, God's healing is not confined to our physical time and space. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, is there anything else we didn't mention before we sign off for today? I don't think so. I mean, I think uh, the stuff that really weighed heavy on me as I was writing the sermon is I think we miss out. The enemy would love nothing more than to steal the joy of one of the greatest blessings that the Lord ever offers. And he does it in a whole bunch of ways. He does it with compromised boundaries, which we're going to hit more next week in the sermon and then also on the podcast. He does it with us settling for less than God's best, feeling like, well, it's fine. And so we just are too embarrassed to have a conversation about sex with our spouse. Listen, Sarah and I just had a sex, had a conversation about sex on a podcast. All right. You can talk to your spouse alone in your house about sex. And be, because we just settle for less than what God offers is best. Mm-hmm. And and I can't just, I can't share enough that you just got to talk to each other. That is the, the biggest thing that will help you take a next step 
in your relationship with one another is having a conversation with one another and a vulnerable conversation and saying, hey, this is maybe an area where my needs haven't been met, or this is maybe an area that that we used to do and we don't anymore because of kids and jobs and whatever. You just got to communicate and mm-hmm. communicate what you expect and then see what happens because God wants, it is a tremendous blessing, not just physically. I mean, it's incredible physically and it was made to be pleasurable, but also it does, there's nothing else that connects us like it. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing in the world. It's the most intimate human interaction you can have. And so I just don't settle for less than the ass. That's good. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to the Beyond Sundays podcast. We hope you guys have a wonderful day. And remember, God is moving all the time. And he's moving in your life too, Beyond Sundays.